This is Crimea Cult with their song Have a Year from their debut album on Tell Craig Your Story podcast. Listener's discretion advised. You've been warned.
Hello there, folks. I am Jason Schaller, also known as Sushen, and you are listening to Tell Craig Your Story Podcast. Rock on, motherfuckers. Hi guys, Craig here. Welcome to another edition of the podcast, Tell Craig Your Story. Today we'll be speaking to singer, songwriter and recording artist Jason Schroller. Now Jason is originally from Ontario, Canada. He moved to Shanghai almost 10 years ago now. He's been in previous heavy metal bands PVA and Hibidashira who have done some uh, touring in Japan and through Asia. But his current band, Chromera Cult, are about to release their debut album. And we've been lucky enough to get an exclusive of the mastered copy of two of their songs. The first one that we heard at the start of the podcast was Have a Year. And at the end of the podcast, you will hear Chromera Rise. It has a very Black Sabbath influence. I love it. The chugging of the guitars. Now, Jason has also been involved in a compilation album that gives the opportunity for all underground music in Shanghai and get get a bit of uh, exposure. You know, Jason has an amazing passion for music and art. He's helped a lot of bands in Shanghai. But before we go, please go to our website. We're at Podbean. Tell Craig your story at podbean.com. We are on all the social medias, and we also have a YouTube channel there, which you can uh, download all the latest videos. We also have a link tree there, which tells you where Tell Craig Your Story podcast is streaming, at Tell Craig Your Story, and we have VK for our Russian listeners, and WeChat for our Chinese listeners. All right, here we go. This is my chat with Jason Schroller on Tell Craig Your Story podcast. Hey Jason, how are you doing today? Great man, thanks for having me. Thank you for uh, coming on. It's been a long time coming, but uh, we've finally got a chance to come here and we're at the very famous Inferno <laughs> Bar in downtown Shanghai. So Jace, you've been here a lot longer than I have in Shanghai and uh, you were here you know, last year 
we all know what happened worldwide. I went home, but you actually stayed here. So I want to get your first sort of, how was it like, you know, being so close to Wuhan and you survived. Well, barely. <laughs> so so how, how was it well, living in, in... Initially, right as it broke out, I was actually coming back from uh, Bali with my girlfriend at the time. Right. And so it was just like, day before, flights canceled, book another one. And it was like three flights in a row. I had to like get someone to actually help me who works for Sea Trip to like give us like a route through. I think we came through Hong Kong, if I'm not mistaken, to get back to Shanghai. But it was like, it was at the time, it was like just really... I don't know, the feeling is just like, wow, man, you just, you're just taking it back, almost surreal. Yeah. I uh, get on the plane, there's hardly anybody there, everyone's being tested and everything, uh, screened to get on, then you come back here and the city's just like ghost town. Man. Yes. It's, it's like post-apocalyptic. Yes. Like a bomb went off or something and people are just like, no one really knows how to, how to react to the situation. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was like a little bit unsettling, but I, I, I have to admit, like part of me was like, sort of badass like <laughs> you know I'm, I'm big into like uh post-apocalyptic stuff yes like zombies and everything so i'm like that's sort of cool but i i probably shouldn't think that but you know and i, I don't want to say like i don't take it uh take it too lightly or anything like that like obviously it's been a big tragedy for many people yeah but it was you know i, I can't say i wasn't a little bit curious to see how this is going to go down and so anyways yeah it was like a ghost town man everything was closed inferno was open for a while and even we had to close and then it was just, so I was just pretty much in an apartment uh, with my girlfriend. And we're just passing the days. I'm just looking at the news, watching numbers go up. And then... How did you survive? Like, what was, with the bar being down, did you have online work or something you could... I did. Well, the bar's, bar's not actually my source of revenue. Like, the bar's, I, I, I did for a little bit, but um, it, it could barely pay rent sort of thing. Right. I got a, I got a very high standard of living. And so I, I teach full-time, to be clear, just for all my capital to invest in, like, the bars and uh, the bands and shit. Uh, can I say shit on this podcast? Yeah, sure. Right, no. <laughs> shit. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so with the bar going down, I still had uh, I still had some savings and stuff, and uh, right. our our school is still paying us to do online stuff. Oh, that's good. So financially, I wasn't worried. Uh, I was like, I was actually happy because like between work and the the bar, like I'm always out. I always got to like talk to people and stuff, and I'm actually like really, really more of an introvert. Uh, I just became an extrovert because you know I was a teenager and I wanted to get laid, so I had to. Adapt. <laughs> But really, I was like, this is a sort of, I hate to say this, but sort of like a godsend. Like, because uh, I was finally, I had to stay home. I couldn't leave and I could just be as introversial as I want. Yes. Uh, just read and exercise every day. No drinking or anything like that. Yeah, right. Oh, man, I needed it. I always need an excuse not to drink. It's like, you know, being at a bar and stuff yeah. and being on the music scene. So it was great, man. For me, and I hate to take positive light of such a terrible situation, but... For me, it was just like I rebuilt myself. I was yeah. reading. I was exercising every morning. I had like a, a strict uh, regime or routine, I should say. And it was, yeah, it was great, man. People were like, oh, let's meet up. I'm like, no, oh, no, I shouldn't meet up for a beer, you know. Got <clears> to <throat> follow the rules, but really, I just didn't want to anyways. Yeah. Turning a ne negative into a positive, but that's yeah. great. But recharge the batteries and... Oh, it was, it was great, man. It was probably like, I hate to say it, it was like probably one of the best weeks of my life, just mentally... Just rebuilding myself and not just getting drunk all the time and stuff and just being able to like self-reflect and you yeah. know rebuild yeah. yeah and sort of uh, have some new goals for sort of for now and for in the future right definitely yeah that, that's really interesting because i wasn't here in this time I, I sort of was at the start and shanghai like you said it was it was just a ghost town yeah i was going to go to the usa and then trump said next day if you're in china 
can't go. So I went back home. So I can only see from the, the news sort of side of it. Since I've come back, the chi- China and the whole way that they've handled it, so professional and I've got nothing bad to say yeah. at all about how they've, you know, you've got to scan the barcodes and, uh, you know, so I just think it's... If I, if I wasn't here, I wouldn't believe it. Yeah, that's I'd, right. I'd be like, oh, come on, I can't, there's no way. The rest of the world can't take care of it in one country magically did it. It must be media control or something. But no, man, being here, it's like, since like June last year, I guess, that's when everything was just like fully reopened and it's apart from wearing masks and everything, man, it's just been business as usual. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck, I gotta go back to work. God damn it. But like, and again, I joke, but like, I know a lot of people have been out of work for a long time and that type of stuff. Mm. But it's essentially been back to normal since June. I had a bit of a scare, obviously, recently with um, Beijing had a lot of cases in Shanghai had a bit. Mm. But now even that seems to be under control and it's like, it's surreal. Yeah. Meanwhile, the rest of the world's still like going back into God knows what round of uh, quarantine. Yeah, again. that's right. It's yeah. Like, it's crazy. But if I wasn't here, I, like, I wouldn't believe it. Like, yeah, they're setting, the, they're setting the standard, definitely. So, Jace, Jason, let's go back, way back. Correct me if I'm wrong. You know, we've talked quite a bit, like, uh, in Shanghai, and I've done some, looked at some information online today. But uh, you grew up, you were born in Ontario, Canada. Yes. Is that correct? Correct. So, tell me, what was that like? What was it like, Ontario? All right, well, I was born in a, su- uh, not where I was born, where I grew up in a suburb of Toronto called Brampton. Right. Okay. And I don't think there's a single person from Brampton who won't say the same thing. It's just, it's sort of like a shithole, man. Like, like, <laughs> and I don't, it's just. Hardworking sort of. When I picture it, man, I just picture like malls and plazas and one or two story buildings and just like gray. I always have such a, a gray tint to it when I look back on it. And like, we were actually like, we got. We were like the stabbing capital of Canada while I was in high school for a while. I was like, oh dear. I was like, at least we got something. Let's do the best at something. We were like the fastest uh, growing city as well. We had a huge immigration, and I'm not saying anything that's negative or anything. Yeah. But we just like, our population exploded, and uh, we were like half a million, I guess, 10 years ago. I don't know where we're at now. But um, it was, there's just nothing to do there. No. And you get out of high school, and then. And I was working at like a retail shop for a bit and I was like, you know, fuck this, I gotta go to university. Yeah. And so I got out and uh, I wanted to have like my own place sort of thing. So I went to, um, yeah, I went to Guelph University after, studied biology there. Where is this? Is this actually in Toronto? Yes, yeah, still uh, near Toronto. Guelph would be a little bit more farther than uh, Brampton. From right. I went there, studied biology. I didn't finish biology. Uh, so I was in Guelph for about four years and then on the fifth year, and I'm sort of like, meandering through I was taking the courses I need to but like the minimum sort of thing I was basically in university just to get out of the hometown just to you know grow as a person just be on my own sort of thing I lived with roommates obviously but uh, yeah I just wanted to you know explore yourself you're an adult and just want to see what you can do on your own yeah I started taking Chinese on the side because I saw an ad for it so I took it for a couple semesters and it was like well I'll do a semester abroad in China and I didn't know anything about China man and I feel bad saying that but I think a lot of people until maybe recent history when it's become like a big news target i don't think a lot of people did back home like my dad said oh yeah no, don't forget it's smaller than uh ontario i like no i think you're thinking of europe and, like, <laughs> like, china, and i looked it up and, like china, china's just barely smaller than canada right and so i didn't know where it was i didn't know their history yeah. you know, i didn't know what hong kong taiwan all that stuff i just yeah. they were just all china or not china I didn't, that's right Asia. i was never really i was never really clear on that so I came here, I came here, and I'm still just like a young retard. Like I was, uh, I was, we were 
me, I came here with a group of people. Uh, shout out to, I guess, Dave Luce, who runs Shift now in uh, the Fixed Barbershop with Budweiser. Right. Uh, we came here, um, and we're just, uh, yeah, we're just getting drunk and partying, man. This is crazy. There's like a city of 30 million, like, or less, but like almost the population so, of Canada. So it was your idea to, to come here, or? Yeah, well, I saw an advertisement for like study abroad for a right. semester. And I didn't know Shanghai. For, there was like Shanghai. I've, I can't remember the other cities, but like they were all... I didn't know anything about them, so I just looked up which one was the biggest. Shanghai was like, all right, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, right. Came here, took uh, lessons at Hwashida originally. Uh, we did that for like a year, and then uh, I'm like, fuck, man, I, I, I want to stay, but I got like no more money. You're right. So like, I got paid off. Uh, everyone's like, oh, I can just get job English teaching. Did that for a while, and then they're like, all right, government's cracking down. You need a degree to do this. Right. So I switched, uh, I switched my major to just Bachelor of Arts. This semester at Jiaotong University and then online oh, as well. Right. I was just, right. It was like the worst semester of my life because I was doing school here and then at night online. I was also uh, uh, I was also doing university in Canada and it was just like, man, I was, with little hairs I had left in my head, I was pulling them out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I did that and got a degree so I could like work legitimately here and uh, just been doing that since. I worked in Inferno for a little bit, but Again, couldn't pay bills, and like also with the bands and stuff, like you need capital to do this stuff, man. You can't. You could maybe live the poor life, but not really if you want to pay rent. So, kindergarten. Well, I work at a kindergarten now, but teaching English pays very well, as most people know. Oh yes, yes. So I do that during the day, inferno during the night sometimes, and uh, but like out of just out of my pocket, I I just do the events and stuff for free, and uh, because yeah, you need a lot of capital to invest in stuff, man. Mm. If you want to start a band, all right, you got to buy shirts and stuff. You want to go to another city, well, there's another. Thousand quad to get there and back. Never mind your lodgings or beer, especially. <laughs> Our bands go through a lot of beer. Yeah, that's right. Like, sorry, let's go back uh, to Ontario. Uh, were your parents like uh, musically? No. How did you get into into music? Normally, it's like a parent or a friend or someone. So, how, how did you first get involved with music? Being an angry teenager. Right. <laughs> uh, none of my parents are musically inclined. My dad's he's a decent singer. I'm, just, I'm better than you, Dad. <laughs> but uh, no, my dad, my parents, they both love music. My mom was actually huge into Queen. Like, right. And so that's what like, got me into Queen. Because, and Queen's one of my top favorite bands still to this day. But uh, as a kid, I grew up on Queen and stuff. And my dad just loved oldies like doo-wop, Motown. So I got yeah, in right. a lot of that. And then I strayed in uh, high school because I got into like rock and roll and stuff. Because I was a little more angrier than queen could put the words and yeah <laughs> then i got into metal and then i got into grunge and i was grunge just took me for years like especially nirvana and allison chains i was like 10 years of that's all i listened to right and then i got a little more back into metal near the end of uh university in canada but yeah like those were my musical origins but no i started playing guitar i think 16 and that's when i got introduced to nirvana and grunge and right. i was like Seems to be seems to be a time in, in in that sort of period where, you know, it was very easy to play those guitar uh, yeah. the, the chords so very simple so, you know, picking up a guitar like back in, before that you had all the really wiggly 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 solos and trying to fit all the riffs into a, so the grunge was a good chance to oh. sort of you know learn learn the. It was perfect. I had no experience. I was angry. I was like <laughs> such a nerdy teen. I couldn't get laid. So I was like, oh, I'm just angry, and I want to express it somehow. But oh, yeah. fuck, I'm suck at guitar. It's like, ah, oh, grunge. Yes, I could express the emotion. 
Uh, and then I don't have to be too competent at guitar. Like I got a little better eventually. I'm shit now because I haven't played in a long time. But and did you go to shows in Ontario? Like, yeah, yeah, I went to shows. I organized shows. Right. I never actually really played that much in Ontario. It was until Shanghai I started like playing. I, I did like maybe some cover shit and uh, played at parties with. You now another band's playing. Like, oh, come do a song. And, yeah. But I never actually like played with a, a full band until until Shanghai. Right. And to be clear, that's I got here nine and a half years ago. Oh, shit, man, it's gonna be intense. <laughs> but but you but I remember t- talking to you before, like you were doing a touring like through the U.S. and Canada, right? Like no, we were playing it out. Uh, Alpaca did. Maybe you might, might be thinking of them, right. or spill your guts. We were planning to do touring like many times, and the last time we were planning to was maybe go to America during last year, right? Uh, Pre-COVID, but I couldn't really get. Like people's schedules and money and stuff, it couldn't really get it to happen. But I've always been trying to do touring. Like we did it touring in Asia, though. Like we went to uh, not too many places. Japan, I've been to three times. Right. Taiwan, a couple times. And then like that's got all a over real, China. That's got a real good metal scene, right, Japan? Oh, man. Japan's fucking next yeah. level music. Every type of scene, man. Just, man, they, they don't do anything half-assed. Like you go there. Yeah. I think the greater Tokyo area, someone in Japan told me they have a... Uh, like 500 live houses roughly and you pay to play there man you gotta you gotta bring in some money or else you gotta pay to yeah. use the venue and it's so competitive but like even all the amateur artists you play with man these guys are just fucking shredding it they're yeah. killing it like they put they don't do it half fast they just put their full effort into it mm. and it was like really cool to play with the cats down there man like they were all just like so much more competent musicians I'm like wow I'm lucky to even play with these guys it's too it would be too hard to break into Japan if I was living there for some reason or Although I love to live there, it's cool as fuck. Place. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, and it's so close. Like, I was living in uh, Qingdao before I come to Shanghai, and it's closer to go to Osaka from here than it is to go to Qingdao. And I was like, God, why aren't I going? You know, going there. So, tell us about. You know, you said uh, your first band, uh, like your first band was here in Shanghai, right? Yeah. Okay, so how did that all form? Like, you're a foreign person. China's not really renowned for their their metal metal scene, Definitely so not. you know, how did you go about doing that? And you know, uh, well, that was well because when I first got here, I was hanging out with mainly foreigners. So right, obviously, and this is one of the cool just side notes from like being in Shanghai because you get people from all over the world with different musical experience and cultures. So mm-hmm. it's crazy that everybody comes here with all their experience into one like little vector of music. So you always find like cool musicians who just have maybe similar or completely different backgrounds. And uh, you just make some weird amalgamation of like all these cultures and styles. But anyways, uh, going back to the question, just through friends, I met a uh, Jan, who's currently in Spill Your Guts. He's a bassist. Uh, he's also from Canada, from Quebec. But I just met him through another friends, I think, through skateboarding or some stuff, which I don't do. Uh, then we needed a drummer, another buddy of mine, uh, Brian Murdoch. Shout out to him, who started T Moose. Um, he uh, he knew a guy, so we met at Inferno, the original Inferno. This is the third incarnation. Yes, yes. <laughs> As before, I was involved in it. Uh, and yeah, so met a guy named Clyde Parkinson uh, from England, but he also lived in California, so he, his accent switched back and forth depending on who, right. who, who he was talking to. Right. Uh, so he played drums, and you know, I was on bass, and I was doing guitar and vocals. Uh, that was PVA, People's yes, Volunteer PVA. Army. Right. Yeah, we were doing that for a while, and that was it was great because that was more of a hardcore thing. I, I, didn't, I didn't even know the difference between hardcore metal time. I thought we were metal, but... He was like, no, you guys, you guys are punk. You're like, you're hardcore punk. So, right. All right. Whatever, I'll take it. Yeah. 
But uh, I always wanted to be a vocalist, not as much a guitarist. Like I wanted to be like, I always wanted to be like sort of Kurt Cobain figure, like guitarist and vocals, but I wasn't really good at either. So to do them both at the same time was like really hindering uh, me. So, so was this also the first time that you, you come up with lyrics as well? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I've been dying. Like I, I, uh, like I wrote like poetry right. <laughs> in high school. <laughs> I'm more like just like angry streams of consciousness and stuff. So I, I got into that because I got like, I was pretty emo. I was angry and emo, so. Yeah. Uh, but that was the first time I got to put I got to put down some lyrics, and uh, I was really happy with that. But like, I always felt like I wanted I wanted to get rid of the guitar. Yeah. We were considering bringing another guitar player, but also I wanted to be more metal too. And Jan was heavy into punk, and he like he liked a lot of hardcore and even some metal, but he wanted to be more punk, more fast paced, just simple punk. Yeah. And I liked I liked the songs we made, but it wasn't really fulfilling to me. And then. Uh, so I, I don't know how it happened. Oh, so with, with this yeah. style of music, uh, uh, was it like yeah, or we actually singing this one just really really fast? That one was actually both. Right. I didn't know quite well how to scream at the time, and uh, even now to scream with like an instrument in my hand, I can't properly do it. I gotta I gotta cheat a bit and cup the mic or really get in there. I, but I gotta be full. I gotta dedicate my whole body to it. I can't just be doing trying to focus on another instrument. So there was some screaming in there, but a lot of, uh, yeah, half of it was actually a bit of singing. Uh, I tried to make it like dirty, badass singing, but I couldn't, yeah. I, I didn't really know how to do it at the time. So that was that one. And then um, afterwards, Clive, our guitarist, or sorry, our drummer, PBA, with him, he became a guitarist in our next band. And we we're doing a side project uh, with the, on drums was Joshua Thompson from uh, Shanghai Tattoo, Big Up Shanghai Tattoo. And uh, I found a bassist. By the name of Tim, <laughs> uh, who left uh, shortly afterwards. But anyways, that formed Hito Bashir, and then right. Then I got to actually like be a metal vocalist, which is what I always wanted to do. I always wanted to be a vocalist, but I was just never really that competent. So th this is the band that I was first introduced yes. to as well. When you come it's in, supposed to play drums too. That's but. right. That's <laughs> right. It, I was. I, I saw. I saw you guys play when I first moved to Shanghai. And you were playing at a, a loafers, and uh, I saw you do all the rehearsals. And I was with Josh uh, with Hydroslug, so they, they were rehearsing. You rehearsed, and all the bands went up there. And I was just talking to the bass player, and he said, "Hey, uh, I play guitar and I play drums as well." And, what? What music are you into? I, was, oh, I like Metallica, I like the the thrashy sort of. Uh, uh, and he said. Come and try out for the bit. <laughs> and that was the first time I met you. Yeah, I remember you saying, oh, so we've got a gig like in Beijing and we've got a gig in Guangzhou. And it's like, oh man, I'd, I'd love to, but uh, you know, I've just started a new job. And oh, yeah, you taken... I think you worked weekends too or something. Yeah, I was at a training center, so uh, that didn't help either. So um, it all worked out. You, you got another drummer, right? And uh... well, not for Hito Bashir, we did, like just barely. And then, uh, COVID hit. So right. we finally found a drummer, a permanent drummer. We had it. Clive substituted for a bit for a while because he, he left and then we got a new. Like, I've, I've switched all the members. No, I didn't switch them, but people left and we had to replace all the members once. And then. So tell us about that. I mean, how difficult it is, is it to have a band in a foreign country with all expats? I mean, they're all moving around. And yep, very difficult. There's yeah. some people who are lifers and some people here for a couple of years. That's right, yeah. Similar to like in a university town, like yes, probably even actually maybe a little better. 
But yeah, basically, people come and go. Like Shanghai is an ephemeral place, man. Things change all the time, like structurally and just like people, vibes, the culture, the scenes. Man, it's Shanghai music scene since I've got here, man. It's completely different. Now we're actually on an upswing, but uh, I'll talk about that later. But yeah, so like basically, Hito Bashir, the whole band left within a month, all for different wow. reasons. Well, Josh and Ting from Shanghai Tattoo, they're opening up uh, a location in Folsom, California. Right. So they were going to do that. Clive was leaving. He was just going to do uh, his business in uh, England, which is helping people uh, prepare for like uh, SATs or write essays to get into universities. Uh, and then Jan was got uh, uh, not Splitter got Jan PBA Jan, but Jan uh, from Hidobashir. He got an offer with his his wife. Well, not he got an offer for work in America. Coincidentally, at that time, so him and his wife were moving there, and that was all within one month. All three members were gone. Wow. So I got, I got a couple new members. Big up Nikita and Ethan on bass and guitar. And, Ethan. Uh, Actually, that's the one yeah. I was talking to. Ethan. Oh, Ethan. Ethan is who I was, was talking to. Okay, that was, yeah. That was, so that's, uh, that's, a little bit later that on. was Hito Bashir 2.0. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so we're just, yeah, we're looking for drummers. That was it. And then uh, Clive came back for the summer and he, he was, as he was a very competent drummer in PBA. He's like, oh, you know, I'll just play a couple shows in the summer. I'll just be on drums. Yeah. We did that. We played uh, about three shows, uh, four shows, I think like Beijing, Nanjing, Wuhan, Shanghai. And then he took off and then we were looking for a drummer again. Then uh, we finally got um, Sammy on board from formerly of Timus, the machinery of other skeletons. And then COVID hit. Ethan Ethan left uh, and to America and he hasn't been back since. Nikita left to Siberia. Uh, wow. And then, oh, Sammy, it was, Sammy was supposed to do a couple gigs, but it wasn't really, like, supposed to be a permanent drummer. And then it's like, well, fuck, it's just, well, before, there we go again. <laughs> and, it's, and it's so funny because, like, I remember the first band that I played in, if somebody was to leave, that's like someone, leave, like, my girlfriend leaving me. And I was like, why? Like, yeah, come on, what are you doing? Totally was that. So, so how is it for you? Like, it's just like, okay, yep, you're going, I'm, next. I'm, I'm totally, like, because I'm totally dedicated to, it, yeah? to this. People have yeah. other yeah. ambitions in mind. Like, I'm not fooling myself thinking I'm going to be a big fucking rock star or anything, mm. but band is, being in a band is the most gratifying thing to me. To play a show, to create music, like, I, I see creating music as like, it's sort of like, you're putting out art, and I'm not an artist in, in any means really, but putting out art, and with the digital age now, once it's out there, it's out there forever, essentially. Yeah. It's like a part of immortality. It's like, I contributed to humankind, maybe not in that great a way at all, but, you know, I made something for humanity, here it is, it's six people listen to it, I don't give a shit. <laughs> you know, it's out there, it's out there forever. So I love creating, it's sort of, I don't know, it's my fear of death or something to keep a immortal piece of me out there forever. So for yeah. me, I'm dedicated to this. And also just playing a show, man, I feel invincible. I could feel like I could do anything. I, I go fucking crazy on stage. Yeah. And I just like, even like hours after the show, I'm just like, yeah. I'm still riding that yes. high. So it's like the greatest thing. I live right now for every show I play. Yeah, I guess other people are like, they do it for a side thing. But, you know, people, you got to be realistic. Other people, you know, if you got a better job opportunity, that's going to keep you alive. It's going to be a down payment on a house or something. So, like, other people, it's not as, well, at least I felt, it's not to their, at their forefront as much yes. as it is for me. Yes. But for me, that's my main thing. That's what everything I'm doing is towards uh, just making music. So, like, when people leave, it's like, Fuck. <laughs> fuck off, man. Fuck off. We were in this Not together. Again. <laughs> what, you're getting yeah. married? Fuck that shit, man. 
Come we on. had something here. Come on, we're going to gig here. Come on. It's the priorities. <laughs> got to go play a show to the same audience again. That's, that's right. <laughs> Wait, let's play at the wedding. <laughs> yeah, can we at least do that? <laughs> hey, Siro, how was the writing process with that one? I mean, you said that you had PVA, you know, you wrote music there, but how was that different to, to this band? Uh, no, process was similar. Like, basically, I'm shit at writing instruments, but vocals and rhythm, I could, like rhythmic vocals or melody, I could sort of do confidently. But uh, like in PVA, Jan would pretty much write most of it. He'd come up with like a riff on bass or even on guitar. He'd be like, here, play this on guitar. He'd be like, yeah, sure, what the fuck. Yes. Uh, melodies and rhythm, I would do. Because I've always been, I've always wanted to be a singer. So I've always just like listened carefully to singers. Like my two favorite singers are Freddie Mercury and uh, Lane Staley. So I've always... That's oh, two pretty... <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 So pretty set, good ones. Set the bar really high. Yeah. I'm always going to be disappointed with myself. Yeah. But uh, so like, I can do... I'm not saying I'm the best at making melodies or rhythm, but I, I'd stick to it. Like I'd sit with a song, I'd put on repeat for an hour, maybe just have a couple of drinks. And the best way for me is... Uh, well, in, as there's no, uh, no weed in fucking China anymore. <laughs> the best thing for me is just to get, get a buzz on and just get... You know, I get a little emotional and just do it. Like yeah. the practices where I don't have to work the next day and I can just have like three to <clears throat> six beers. Uh, that's the best. Because then I feel it. I just go in there, I just stream of consciousness, rhythm, and lyrics. And you know, I'll, get, I'll get a couple words I like and I'll be like, all right, that sounds pretty powerful. I really like the feeling from that. And then I'll write a song around that. And like two verses in, I'm like, wow, I didn't really have that much to say about it. But <laughs> I already committed now I got to finish it. But that's, yeah. that's, main, that's the most effective way for me to get melodies, or like vocal rhythms because for a lot of metal I wouldn't call it melody it's just like a it's almost like a rhythm part and and with the writing process uh, is it like based on previous experience or is it from what you're seeing now or how, how does you uh, usually it's based on whatever line there's always one or two lines in the song yeah. that I just, so just I'm just yelling garbage on the mic while we're practicing and then like I just something just comes I just say it I'm like wow that felt good that's where, the, where this song is going yes a lot of it with uh, Hito Bashira. There's a lot of existential shit because, you know, like, what are we alive for and all that yes. stuff. So that was a big part of that. Uh, then you do stuff, you know, regular ass metal stuff like, whoa, war is bad and all that shit. <laughs> but uh, you get relationships. Recently, I've been more into relationships, like human relationships, which I think isn't actually as important as the stuff I was doing with Hito Bashira. Yeah. I've been a little more, well, I don't know. That's the story of the, the new band, but maybe. Right do that later on. <laughs> yes, we'll get into that very very later I, I just wanted uh, where did the band name come from Hito Bashir mm. that was actually Clive we had uh, we had a few names but he, he proposed a bunch of them and he's like oh this Hito Bashir this is uh, it's actually pretty metal it's a Japanese name I probably don't even say it right but uh, it's when because uh, Japan was on a fault line so they obviously had like a lot of earthquakes mm. and stuff and you know yes. being in pre pre-modern times like you don't know what the fuck caused that yeah yeah People just correlate to, well, uh, I don't know, we've, we killed somebody the other day. We killed a lot of people and we haven't had earthquakes. So I guess just sacrifice people. I guess that's what some god or deity wants. So they, I don't know how they got that correlation, but they thought, oh, if we kill a bunch of people and sacrifice them before we build buildings, uh, they, will be, they will be spared during earthquakes or whatever wrath of the gods comes our way. So they somehow got, man, I can't even, man, humans are insane. I can't, how the <laughs> fuck, how, like, how desperate we're in the living, I can't even imagine. Yeah. But somehow they came up with that correlation. 
And uh, yeah, so it's the, it's the act of sacrificing people. I, I think it was mainly for like castles or like temples. And I think sometimes they'd even bury them alive underneath. I don't know. I, it's been a long time since I looked it up. I don't know if that was verified. But yeah, pretty much sacrificing people before you build an infrastructure to ensure it is spared to come the next wrath of the gods. So they let you come in with a visa with that name and <laughs> do a tour of Japan? They're actually, Japan was, <laughs> everybody had English names. We were the only uh, ones. Japan, we like, we, we really confused them because like, we're like, we're a band from China with a Japanese name. It's just a bunch of white dudes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, wait, which band are you? You're not Japanese. No, no, we're from China. You're not Chinese. You're not... <laughs> well, we're here. Let's play. Let's rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, that, that always, nobody knew. Everybody was very shocked to see, not very shocked, but people, a lot of people were surprised. at Because uh, yeah. we were always labeled as a Chinese band with a Japanese name and just a bunch of like middle-aged white dudes just, yeah, just rock out. <laughs> so <laughs> <With the beers. laughs> I saw that you brought out a film clip. So obviously there's an album involved. Did you have more than one album? Was it, was it just one album? Rahito Bashir? Yeah. We had two two full albums. Well, not full. One was five. I don't know what five, I guess. Was it like a live album as well? Or? There was... There was uh, originally we had a demo album, which I've since removed from the site because it was just shitty. But that's like as soon as you make a band, you're like, oh, you just want to put your songs. Yeah, on yeah, 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 yeah. So we had like a demo album, which was just like terrible live recordings. Uh, then we made our first album, The Famine, which was about uh, which was five songs. So I guess I would that'd be an like EP. An EP yeah. That'd be an EP. All right, I could, for me, that was like, wow, that's an album. But yeah, I guess it's an EP. Uh, then we had a sample album of like rough mixes and songs to like bridge between our final album which is a self-titled Hito Bashir which had I think eight tracks if I'm not mistaken and then we have some like lost tracks in between that I'm pretty sure online uh but yeah so I guess one EP one LP yeah if I, if I remember the nomenclature right <laughs> yeah because it's uh, um I went to the YouTube link and it was uh you guys on the beach oh and uh in Qingdao <laughs> and it was like going back and forth between the beach and the like a live a live what song was that? Then, oh, big up to Clive, man. Clive used to just make, he'd just be filming everything all the time. We never really knew what he was doing. Then, like, a week after our tour, he'd like, come up oh, with this hilarious uh, video. Enemies in the Shadows. Enemies in the Shadows. Yeah. There you go. Dope. Yeah. So dope. you're rubbing the sun cream on uh, yeah, the Clive. band members, yeah, and then used... you do, oh. <laughs> so we got those. We never, I've never made a music video with a band, like a proper music video. I just have such a shitty imagination, I can never think of anything other than just showing us playing in the video mm. if anybody's got any ideas out there pitch them <laughs> <laughs> do you think it'll ever come back together or it's just Hiro Bashira yeah not like I'm, I'm, at least not in the original form right I like I loved I like I really love the songs you made and most of them were Clive's uh, riffs uh, and like yeah I just thought they were really interesting different songs I really like enjoy them you know with the new project I'm, I'm really loving the new project uh, but I don't, I don't want to throw it all away but man there's no way the original members we're scattered throughout the world yeah. there's no way we can get together maybe I could find other people to relearn songs but it's not really their songs and, that's right that's you right. Know, I know personally if I joined a band I had to learn their songs it wouldn't be as fulfilling to play them that's right we're going to talk about it a little bit later but like actually trying to play gigs in Shanghai and like <sighs> in China how difficult is it like do it by yourself or by management or uh, I've, I've done them all by myself organizing right. them like I not saying I haven't played other shows people organize. Uh, difficulty like some sort of I don't know if it's true, but it, you know, if you want to charge a, a fee to come in, 
Uh, you have to have a license, like an entertainment license that's, or something? Yeah, all right. That's, this is like a, a history of it. Well, before, when I first got here, and the music scene was incredible. Uh, yeah, it's just whatever. You tell a venue, I'm going to throw a show. It's like, all right, don't tell me anything. It's like, here's a flyer. Don't even have to mention the bands or whatever. Right. Just, you could do that within like two weeks. Not most ideal, but you could do that sort of thing. Just throw a show in two weeks anywhere, whatever. Then like, uh, it might have been maybe three years now ago. Then, then they started cracking down. That's when, they, all right, foreigners need to be here on a performance visa or they need to get an approval for a temporary performance visa. So wow. basically, like, who, who the fuck's here is on yeah, a performance right. visa? No one, yeah. You can't live off that. Yeah. So like most of my like, English teachers are doing some other shit, but like no one's here to perform. So yeah. I don't want to say it was to discourage foreigners from playing, but you couldn't help but get that feeling from it. Mm. I'm not saying that, but that is the feeling we got. I just all of a sudden, like, we were offered a festival and I don't remember where to play and then like we sent their stuff they're like yeah yeah it's yeah well, we want you to play but the cultural bureau said uh doesn't align with core values our socialist core values I'm like what what, uh, oh what, what about that I, and i can even water down the lyrics i sent in too i'm like these are like wow. soft ass lyrics like yeah there's nothing it was just but they didn't you know see at that time they were cracked they hated tattoos they just went through a tattoo hating streak they still yeah. do but not as bad but I think I think if I'm not mistaken, there was a rapper on rap battle of China, whatever the fuck that show is. And he had like tattoos, and he said some shit, and they're like, "All right," and that that like sort of propelled all this. And like so, they're like, "No more tattoos on TV or playing live," and like people have to cover up their tattoos and shit. Yeah, the censorship here is crazy. Yeah, yeah, it can get pretty crazy. So at so at that time, so up until three years ago, maybe even a little longer now, it was Swabian, as they say. You could just play whatever no one gave a shit right and then uh so then after that came in there was a, there was a period as you mentioned that all right if it's a free show it's temporary uh, it's uh it's sort of like just people just coming up and jamming it's like something pre-planned right the bar's not really making money up it just people buying drinks coming in jamming so free shows were labeled as like an open mic sort of night then like uh that all ended from when harley's got shut down when um Oh, yeah. I can't even remember the remember. Dis- I can't remember the dispute exactly right now. Harley's big up Daza. He did a lot of work for the scene. He kept it free shows for as long as he could. But uh, one of the bands, I don't know, they didn't. They weren't happy with something. It was like a local band in there, so they complained to the bureau like, "Oh, they're they're playing shows illegally." I don't I don't know what I, I can't really remember. Mm. But some someone was being a little bitch and like rat and just tried to rat out Harley's. Because they wow. didn't get the deal they wanted or something, they they fucked the whole scene. And Harley's got raided by the police for playing music, the most dangerous of all things. Uh, then after that, that was it. Like man, they started. I don't think it was necessarily because of that, but I think it was just the right atmosphere that mm. that was like just uh, like other things cascaded from there. Then they started raiding like open mics, like a Monday night open. Come on. I think it was like Blue Chair or Blue Frog or something. Yeah, got, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they got an open night. People just coming up, having some beers, or just jamming together. Yeah, that you got, got raided. You got acoustic and just. Yeah, well, like, it's, you know, it's, uh... it's a big threat. <laughs> it's dangerous. Hardcore. Hardcore. <laughs> and so, like, that's. And then after that, everyone's like, fuck. And then Mal Livehouse. Oh, man. Sorry, Mal, but you fuck people. Mal Livehouse, uh, uh, it was. Um, up limousine but they were doing their uh full fighters or foo fighters cover band oh yeah, at yeah, yeah. House. uh as far as they knew they submitted all the documents all their lyrics all 45 minutes of their videos all their songs labeled everything like the process is, is painfully uh difficult they yeah. did all that they paid the submission fee on top of that 
And then, so as far as they knew, they were all approved. Like Mao, I guess, said they were approved, or they just didn't say anything or whatever. So they're doing, they're doing them fucking Foo Fighters cover band there and the police raid the place. They put him in jail overnight. The band collectively has to pay 20000 They're like, well, what the fuck? Like, the venue told us it doesn't matter. You're not registered. Well, isn't this yes. the venue's fault? Nope. You guys are playing illegally here. You got to pay. And then after that, everyone's like, fuck, man. This shit's going. This shit's out of control. That's crazy. Yeah. And so, like, after that, that was the last period pre-COVID to, till the COVID time. Mm. Uh, so it was like, man, you got you to gotta go to the right venues, ones that you know, they got their, the guanxi or they got everything down legally. And uh, you submit everything, do whatever they say that you need to do. And it's a painful process, but whatever. I'm like, okay, you got a temporary performance uh, license for this night. Uh, you're good. Then COVID hit. And it's like, because of the, the whole foreigner scare, or at least, you know, I think, I gotta be honest, I think it was an excuse. <laughs> but anyways, so it's like, all right, foreigners can no longer play unless they were registered before so if like a, your band has like someone's not here and you switched out a member can't play if you form a new band can't play wow. foreigners cannot play and if they've been abroad or something I, I don't know if this was a rule but maybe they can't play either so unless all your members are here and nobody's left the country you cannot play and it's been sort of that way ever since now because of covid i guess they had obviously had bigger priorities mm. uh they haven't they seem to have been you know all right, whatever. We need like bars, bars and live houses, no thing. So they, they they've taken obviously a hit just being closed mm. from COVID. So I think they're like, all right, you know, do your thing. Just you know, better better watch yourselves, but do your thing, and we'll help you with your business during this time. And uh, so they've been pretty lenient on shows and such, but I I think technically, I think technically foreigners can't really play unless they were already approved before COVID. Uh, I don't really know. Like people say stuff. I don't. Yeah. So, so, so I'm semi pulling this out of my ass or the ass of others. <laughs> but basically, uh, yeah. So now it's it's they seem to have laxed it. Like people can play, but uh, it's just a it's a hammer to fall, man. Be like, careful. Yeah, we're just we're waiting on it. Uh, eventually, once once COVID's like done and shit, man, it's gonna. I, I feel they're they're gonna come back. Yeah. And start cracking down. Well, just coming back uh, November, it's been quite good actually. Like the amount of shows that, like uh, Wild Way Tea Bar, the, the Wild Way Tea Park, the yep. Loafers. Oh, now now we're in like a, a, re- a renaissance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, obviously that's a good thing. Let, let's hope it continues, and you know, more bands. You know. Well, um, oh, now do it's exploding now because since COVID, like oh, so many people's bands just got fucked. So like people left or they couldn't come back and it's still been like that essentially. So like people form new bands, like our current band Chimera Call. Like we're we're from uh. Well, All right, let's oh, yeah, let's talk about let's this. Go. Are we going there? Are we ready? Yeah, let's <laughs> go. Let's do this. So COVID hit. So let, let's talk about how that all come together. All right. Well, when COVID hit, so uh, yeah, that's when so my Nikita Bashir, my current bandmates at the time, Ethan and Nikita, they they, they took off. E- Ethan was like, you know what. There's an outbreak here. I'm not gonna stay here. And like, that was with the information I had at the time. That wasn't a bad move. Yeah. Then yeah. Nikita's like, "Well, man, my school's closed. I need to make money, man. I, I can't pay rent. I got to go back to Siberia." Like, mm. So we had to go back, and I was like, "Well, fuck, I'm staying here. I'm not going anywhere." Yeah. But then it's like, uh, you know, I, there goes my band again. Uh, and then some left here with Alpaca. Just finished touring America, uh, America, Al America, America. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there's. Their singer was going to come back and leave China, but then, like, as they were touring, that's when everything broke out. 
Because right. it was over Chinese New Year's. So uh, the singer's like, well, fuck that. I've already had some health issues. I'm not going to come back to, you know, ground zero. So he just never, he never came back. Their guitarist left shortly after that. Just, you know, he's, he was pretty much done with China. Uh, so their drummer and their bassist came back, uh, Chris and Alessandro. Also, uh, Hydroslug, as you know. Yes. Big Josh, missed that guy. Yeah. He was, uh, I think he was having visa trouble before then, and obviously that wasn't the time he was going to come back. So it was just like, yeah, so it was me from Hito Bashira, Trey from uh, Hydroslug. Come on. And Chris uh, and Alessandro from Alpaca. And so we're just here at Inferno one night. We're just like, just, you know, well, Chris is like, oh, I'm going to probably leave in the summer. You know, I got a job offering in Australia. And so we're like, well, you know what? Let's just let's make a stupid cock rock album. Just like really just like, I don't know. Like, so hey. is this project called the Louisiana Slaughterhouse Project? Originally it was because we were just like, all right, we got a show coming up. We need a name. And I think Trey was like, Louisiana Slaughterhouse Project. It's very vague. Our music's all over the place. <laughs> so we named it that. And then not, not, a lot of people couldn't remember the name. They remember the acronym, but a lot of locals couldn't say it for sure. Right. And the reason we call we wanted something vague was because like we had like just different styles of music. So we never actually went really through with the cock rock things. And we have a jam, we get drunk because none of us were working at the time really. So we came back here, we listened to some industrial. We're like, whoa, that's cool. Let's make it a sort of industrial like song. Like, yeah. yeah. Then the next practice, Trey's like, well, when I was in quarantine, I was playing Pantera all the time. It's like a Pantera song. I was like, fuck it. I was like, oh, you know, let's uh, let's make a Tool song, whatever. And then we just kept ripping off bands, but because we're not really that good at playing their music. We sort of made our own sound with each one. You could see uh, how we ripped them off, but not that successfully. So, like, we were just, we had all these different types of metal. And uh, so we wanted something vague originally with Louisiana Slaughterhouse Project because it didn't really represent our music. But then we're like, uh, well, let's, let's actually figure out a real name. And uh, I had a song called Chimera, or titled a song, uh, Chimera's Rise. And uh, Alessandro really liked the idea of it because we came from, like, three different bands, you know, and we have, like, many different styles merged into one. So we eventually came with came up with uh, Chimera Cult, and uh, so we've been working with it ever since. Absolutely. So you did an album with this before you started playing yes, the shows? Yes, because the original idea was Chris was going to leave. He never ended up doing because they couldn't eventually get him to Australia. So they just gave him a severance, and he's now he just found a job in Shanghai. Right. We we're like, all right, before you leave, let's let's just make an album, whatever, one time, one a one off. And he's actually like a producer, so like. Oh, nice. So he was going to take care of uh, all the mix. He's still actually doing it now. He's almost done. So we're just like, all right, well, if you'll mix it and uh, just, yeah, let's, get, let's knock one out before you go and just be so a one-time thing. You gave me a copy of, uh, of the demo to listen to. Um, oh, shoot. I should have given you better. We have better versions now. <laughs> oh, it, it, was, oh, it was just, I was at the bar. I was on New Year's Eve and it's like, hey, I'm going to listen to this. One thing that stood out and I haven't listened to all of them, I can actually hear you sing vocals now. Yes. yes, good I, to hear. I've been. Uh, oh, not that I'm, not that it's, it's a bad thing. Before, oh no no, but, but yeah no no, it's because well, we did for for Halloween we did like Alice in Chains like a couple years back, and then Freddie Mercury or Freddie Mercury Queen last year, and so like I've been trying with like actual real singing and like as I said before Freddie Mercury and Lane Staley are like my biggest vocal influences. Well, like non-metal style, I guess Phil and mm. will be also one, but I uh, saw so, like I always want like screaming. Once I got it, it was just easy. I wouldn't even tire myself out. I'm like I want to challenge my vocals uh, a little more. I want to actually, you know, do some heart—not heartfelt, but you know, like passionate vocals with like real ass singing. Like I'm not that good, but I think I could do a little better. So I've been trying to mix it up with this band. Like, do because man, like a good—it doesn't have to be fucking screaming to make it powerful and heavy. Yeah, like Alice in Chains, for example, man. Yeah. So like I want 
I want to do more of that, put more emotion without having to just rely on something I can do very easily. So I've been trying that. I'm not terribly successfully, but... <laughs> it sounded really good. And then, I'm not sure exactly what the date was, but it was in January. About to see you play. I think it was your second gig or your third gig? That was your second gig. Second gig? Yep. Wow. Really, really... It was really good. I liked the the other band. It was very oh, in your face, but... I'm from what the, the the 90s heavy metal, so uh, seeing seeing the new band, I, I, it's my sort of style as well. So, and a good like you said, a good mixture of like you could tell there's some like Pantera, there's some, oh, like definitely. you said Tool, um, but then there's some really is that is it Trey Trey's sort of influence? Oh, like like he, he's into the hundred percent. Yeah. Well, he like it. The riffs. I've, I've never been in a band where it doesn't start off with a guitar riff. Yeah, Very rare, unless yeah. somebody else writes a riff and says tells the guitarist to play. But yeah, so we'll come up with a riff and then we'll we'll be like, oh, that's great. Or we'll be like, that's nah, shit. Or <laughs> play some more of this style. And he'll be like, all right, and just try this. And all right, that's good, that's good. But no, most of it is uh, obviously like, yeah, it comes from the riff. And we work on that and we criticize it. We shit all over it or we, or we love it. And then... Uh, and I'm always interested to know you know how long a, a song takes like do you work on it for weeks and Man, weeks so you just even, go pump even, it out first go and go that's that's good shit that's... some of us some of our songs like our last one daddy's home we did it oh, pretty much one session right it was we were just feeling man this yeah. is like, like hey it's a simple like metal riff let's just go with it and we just oh uh, yeah so like uh we just pumped like that one out the other ones yeah pretty much most songs they they were like pretty much established in one or two goes like yeah. yeah, we've been we've been on like a crazy, just composing streak, and I, I do the least amount of composing, so I shouldn't say we. But and, then, <laughs> and these guys are like really focused, like they're really really focused, enjoying but, playing. Yeah, in. but yeah, we're not like again. We like we started off this project as sort of like a joke one off, and so we're having fun, but like we're just man, we're just vibing really good. Yeah. So uh, we're just pumping out songs. Like uh, we're only limited by how much. We can only pretty much practice once a week with our schedules. Right. But like each jam session, man, we got like we're writing new songs. We don't even want to do. We're already tired of the old ones. We played like five gigs. <laughs> How is the response with the gigs? I mean, the one that I saw, you could hardly move. You had the mosh pit going. They were oh, up and down. Is that the last one at Seas? Oh, with the one at Wild Way. The one, oh, the one the, in January. Yeah, I saw the one at the Wild Way Sea Bar. Yeah. Oh, dude, that was a good lineup get a too. Great yeah. response. Yeah. Uh, like. Uh, Jimmy Jack from Round Eye, not to brag, but I know some people. Uh, the drummer of Round Eye, last, last show we played at Seas with them, they were, he was like, dude, this is your best project yet. Yes. And I was like, well, uh, I think the last one's pretty good. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, a lot of people are liking it. And it's, yeah. I guess, because, like, you know, when you're, like, Hito Bashir, which is, like, full metal. So, like, some people like it, some people really like it, but most people, they'll be like, oh, that's nice, sir. I appreciate it, but I don't really yes. like it. But this one, because we're going all over, we got, like, heavy shit, we got mel- melodic shit, we got punk songs for some reason but so we're like all over the place so there's at least like one song everybody likes yes and so we've been getting like really really good reviews and not to jerk myself off here but like it's it's going very well yeah keep going with it mate like i know it's difficult to to plan the future like with the pandemic and all that but uh you know do you have plans to do some shows outside of uh shanghai a hundred percent well we were supposed to play beijing on uh the 23rd but uh right uh they had their cases and then temple closed and i don't know if it's gonna open again not sure about that but yeah we were supposed to play a couple weeks ago 
So now we need to play outside because we've only played Shanghai. Like even Hangzhou we can't go to, and that's like 30 minutes away. Yeah, right. And even Suzhou, I think, as well. Like, but uh, I, I don't want to play outside of China. I played China for years. It's great, but I want to go. I've never played North America, my home continent. Europe, mm-hmm. I'd love to play. Have to work our way up to a Balkan if we could. Uh, over there and uh, rock out. Hundred percent. I think everyone would be down because like Chris and uh, Isandro, they were touring already with Alpaca in their previous band. They did right. did Europe. They did North America. And Trey, I'm sure Trey's down. So yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And we we're talking before about festival happening in Shanghai or maybe in China, Pearl. That's another um, place to go and see sort of... Uh, More cabaret stuff, but they also have... Yeah. Pearl's a dope-ass fucking venue. It's all the way in Hong Kong. Tribute bands. They do a lot of tribute stuff. because, mm. but like Basically, they have a house band. And pretty much, as far as I know, like that is their profession. They are professional musicians. Professional, they, right. I met them on the last night, actually, coincidentally. And they're like, they're fucking badass motherfuckers. Yeah. Like, they, were, they were crushing. They were doing uh, like a tribute to like dead artists, so like a lot of... Uh, Austin Chains, Nirvana, oh, grunge, like Linkin Park and shit, and which isn't grunge, but uh, I think yeah, they did a Queen song at the end, Under Pressure. Dude, they're fucking killing Hang it. The, yeah. the girl singer, even the dude was really good, but the girl, she's fucking murdered it. Yes. Apparently, they're going to be making some original stuff, which would be incredible. That'd be interesting. They're just the best. But anyways, uh, the, uh, the guy has been running it. Also another Canadian gent, uh, Grant O, used to work for MTV. Um, yeah. MTV in Japan. And he might be coming on the podcast soon, yeah, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what? Fuck, yeah. <laughs> next time, I'm just, I was paid to say all this. <laughs> Priming you guys for the next podcast. We were talking last night. He's like fully licensed to do shows outside of his venue. But like obviously, there's still, it's not, not, he can't do it now because of the COVID situation. But he's looking to do like festivals like the, the Pearl Presents and like just like so outside the city. So like a like a two day three day tent sort of thing like a some awesome shit that that might be coming in the future. As of now, it's sort of in the air, but they like they just got the go ahead that they could actually do that type of shit. But we gotta wait till you know this little pandemic thing goes away. <laughs> <laughs> now tell us about the the, uh, the music scene. I mean, you've been a huge involvement in the Shanghai music scene. One of the the veterans. Tell us, like, the involvement, and do, do you think that the... In my opinion, I think the underground, like we said before, it's getting... It's slowly getting better. Do you think it just goes through phases, or...? Uh, it, not natural phases. It has been. Like, when I got here, it was incredible. Yeah, right. Then, like, it, it kept going. It went up and down a bit, but it was still strong until... Yeah, until they started cracking down. That, like, really harmed it. Then uh, COVID hit, and, you know... Bands were like all, all over the place, losing members and stuff. So everybody regrouped. Everybody stuck here. A lot of people aren't working or they're quarantined. So people are just making more music. And now, man, there's you see it, man. There's like yeah, there's five shows a day on, on every weekend. Right, five. during the week. Yeah, there's like you can you have no problem finding a show now. Before it'd be like you're lucky if there's one show a week, at least relative to live rock music. There's always like other types of music going on, but concerning that, yeah, absolutely. So now it's like yeah, this is this is probably like the best it's been for for a long time yeah. it's not I wouldn't say it's better than when I first came here like those first four years maybe I, I'd see them with more romanticism as the as the golden years but I I think then it was I think then it was a little better but now it is definitely rising now that's good in like a short period of time yeah absolutely let's talk about Inferno people who don't know uh, we're going to Australia 
Is it the only metal bar now in Shanghai? Uh, in, I think in China, man. I'm, wow. There might be one hidden somewhere, but none that I've heard of. And we've gone to like many cities. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's weird for a population of a billion. There's like only one real like dedicated metal bar. Yeah. Uh, and it's just a little history. It was started, I think it was 2000. Yeah, 2011, because this will be the 10th year, 10 year anniversary. 2011 by Martin from uh, Denmark. He started the first Inferno. Uh, this is the third one now. Um, then the second one became a live house, and Martin actually went back to Denmark. Cassandra took over, uh, and she's been the boss ever since, the big boss ever since. Uh, the second one was a live house, but then you know that's when they started cracking down on music. Right, and stuff. So right. like, we got fined a couple times. It's like, well, fuck that. Let's not deal with this shit anymore. And we're, now we're at the third location, which is uh, more closer to the first one in terms of just style. It's just a metal bar. People can hang out, talk about metal. We have some events here, but we obviously can't do live music. And yeah, it's just you have like, an air guitar, yep, and air guitar night, night we have movie night, movie, <laughs> movie nights, karaoke, metal karaoke. Yeah, uh, and then we've been really big into theme nights now because people like love to dress up. So we yes, have, like steampunk night uh, last week, and even even the uh, the New Year's Eve. Like, oh yeah, everybody, uh, black tie, black metal New Year's. That was dope. Everybody, was, yeah, everybody was all corpse, corpse faced. Yeah. <laughs> There's a good picture on your WeChat as well. It's awesome. Dope. I'm, I'm up the back. I didn't do it. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so uh, let's get close to wrapping up. What do you want to plug? Inferno, your bands? Oof. Plug Inferno? Yes. Uh, big Up Spectres are Punk Brethrens. Uh, another local bar in uh, Shanghai. Uh, bands, man. I want to plug so many bands, but I know I'm going to forget like one or two and it's be like, shit. But I'm going to plug them anyways. Fuck it. Okay. Big Up Rat King. They actually formed alongside of us. With Alongside Chimera called Carbon. Carbon's been doing a lot for the scene. Absolutely. They're fairly new. They they took overseas, made it a live house, been doing a lot of shows. Won the uh, Battle of the Bands oh, yeah, a couple true. of weeks ago. Yeah. Roundeye. Roundeye's been here forever, but they're like one of the pillars of the music scene. Dirty Fingers. I haven't seen them in a while. They had a little rough patch. Big up Dirty Fingers. Uh, shout out to Goshen, one of the originals. Death to Giants. Machinery to other skeletons. All defunct now, but... Um, Man, I see. See, I know there's a thousand other bands I can mention. Big up Skinny Brown, DJ Skinny Brown, man. He's been bringing up music from all over the world yeah, to right. Shanghai. That guy gets like stuff from every country in the world, like just demos of like real new music. He plays them just once a month for his uh, set, Papa Suda. Uh, also, big up Data, which recently died in Shanghai, but hopefully will come back. Mm. Your bands. Oh man! Oh yeah, my band Chimera Cult. <laughs> Go Chimera Cult! Yay! And uh, right, you have a website. Uh, yes. Uh, album release. Shows uh, coming up. We have yes, we have a show February twentieth at Lofas, then March fifth at Yu Yin Tung, the original one, and then March twelfth we're doing an album release sort of listening party here at Inferno. Come on! That'll be the official the official release but we might have the songs up before that uh, if you want to check out our songs chimericult.bandcamp.com chimera spelled c-h-i-m-e-r-a called obviously c-u-l-t uh, also check out We Are Shanghai you can find that on Facebook uh, We Are Shanghai uh, you were one of the um, you know original people behind this so can you tell us a bit about this well, We Are Shanghai was started in I think two, yeah 2011 by um, Yvonne Belsick uh, uh, Nichols and um, I never actually met this guy but JC Heinbach or something uh, basically it it's an open uh, pan genre submission from any bands and artists in Shanghai they can send one song each and we make an album out of it 
So it started off as like maybe 20 bands or stuff. But now it's we're averaging around 40 bands per year. It's the wow. last last one we did was the seventh volume, and we're gonna do the eighth this year. But you know, COVID, so go fuck that. And uh, we'll do the eighth. I don't even know if I'll do it this year because everyone's still recovering. But maybe. But basically, it's it's pretty much like a a time capsule or a snapshot of like the Shanghai music scene. And as I said before, Shanghai is incredible, man. You got people from all over the world, different cultures. With their, their different takes on even like the same music. Like on punk, you could have different types of punk from different type, type uh, different places all over the world. People come together, they whatever countries, and join together, and they make some music. And it's very unique in that. And the thing about Shanghai, as I also mentioned, it's very ephemeral. Like people come and go. People are here for a year. People are here for ten years. Or people are here for three years. They come. They make a band. They leave. They replace or whatever. And so like every year, it's just like it's a different fucking lineup like half of it will be established like veterans the other half will be bands you never heard of before yeah next year same thing like it'll, you'll never have like half the bands on each well maybe not that much but it's almost like half the bands every year are like different bands new songs new sound and stuff so it's always interesting uh, so last one released is the 7th check it out on weareshanghai.bandcamp.com I think Facebook is We Are Shanghai Music because there's another We Are Shanghai page or some shit but uh, that's that's bigger than all the projects I've been doing. I'm I'm now leading that. I've been doing that the last uh, three volumes. Uh, Yvonne gave it to me as he left. As his dying Shanghai words. He's not dead, but <laughs> so I've been doing that. Uh, that's the biggest project. Like all the other stuff I talked about was small potatoes. <laughs> but Can that... you still submit for volume eight? Well, I haven't opened it up yet. Like, but, oh. uh, f- I guess you could potentially submit to me it's not like i'd throw it out before then but uh, uh i'm not sure when to do the open call because i'm like i'm getting the feel for like which bands have started to record since covid because mm. like a lot of them are new bands mm. formed i know we did but i don't think any other ones actually did that being said if i did set it out there like it would actually make a lot of bands start to record well there's a I, band there's a band out there called uh full throttle i don't know oh if full throttle <laughs> I saw those guys. So those the <laughs> sex core band. Yeah, I saw. The girls flashing. Oh, flashing I, girls are flat. I was I was ready to rip my dick out. <laughs> that that drummer, he's got some he's got some moves and grooves, some baby. Chops. <laughs> Full throttle, big shout out. I looked at Google just to do some research and just to get find a little bit more about you, and all I saw was my criminal records. <laughs> They could have proven it in court. Your Tinder uh, profile <laughs> page. But no, it was a full page of uh, Jason hooked. Uh, on the body this, suspension. Yeah, body suspension. Yes. Tell us a, all about fuck? that. That's on Just so uh, many, so many uh, stories and photos about that. That was uh, Big Up Lion or Elaine. She, just, she goes under Elaine's art, but also by Lion. Uh, yeah, she's uh, big into like the whole alternative scene here, and so she does body suspensions where you put metal hooks through your skin and you hang up for a while. Wow. Hang out, I should say. Yeah, so I know, she asked me to want to do that for for one of her shows, and I was like, yeah, all right, I'll do that. I don't, and I was like, the whole time I was like, mm, maybe I shouldn't do that. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, nah, come on, do it. Other people have done it. You can do it. It's not, yeah, just try it. So I went to try it. I'm like, all right. Just make this the most pussy ass way you can do it. Like make it <laughs> easiest army as you can. 
So they just put it through the back, which is like standard, two hooks through the back, and then like a little leg support because I was I'm relatively heavy, I guess. Well, I was at the time. I'm not fat or anything for you, you viewers. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I, did, I got the easiest way, and then like my girlfriend surprised me. Like she came out, and she did it too, and she did it actually like more badass than me. She had like hooks through her back and her legs where I had my legs tied up. So you were like swinging? Like I said that like you, you we, come together uh, and we, you kissed? We were suspended. Yeah, we had, we had some, some pretty hot kisses there. <laughs> and, uh, well, we were being held up by our skin through metal. So we just, yeah, we, we tried it out and people were like hoisting us up and it was like, oh, oh. I was just <laughs> pulling us up. But after after that, it's just like, all right, it, it's not actually that bad. And you're, like there's an initial like, oop, there's yeah. metal going through me. Like a beastie. And then when it pulls you up, there's sort of like oh, momentum yeah. and a bit of swing that's sort of uncomfortable. But then after that, yeah, it's nothing. It was, I was actually, I got, I just got bored in the end. I'm just like swinging around with a beer in my hand. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's been like, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes. I can't remember how long, but like, uh, my beer is empty. Can I, can I just, let's just finish it and go get another beer. It was cool though. Like I was really glad to try it. I, I, you know, I wish I just did it like, the full way through like without the ropes uh aiding and dealing with my it was an extreme thing i never thought i'd do and you know i think people see it and they think well that's the craziest thing ever yeah you know if you do it it's actually not that bad now there's more harsher or painful badass ways to do it and i might try those in the future but yeah it was good. I'm, I'm very glad i did it all right guys i want you to send your photos of your hooks uh, and <laughs> <laughs> through the through the neck and <laughs> support Yes, uh, viewers' discretion. All right, <laughs> and 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 speaking of that, like uh, being very artistic and all that, I've, I've noticed lots of tattoos. So tell us about how that all come about. Your tattoos, or any stories behind that? Uh, all right. The first one I got was on my chest. It's basically from when I was near the tail end of my university career. I was I was getting into Nietzsche because I heard his name everywhere, and I was always into philosophy. So I painstakingly read it. Because so I'm like, I'm a horrible reader. I have to read something like 10 times before I understand it. Uh, but I, I read his, uh, The Birth of Greek Tragedy. It was the first essay I read by him. And uh, it because, you know, like I was, was always, like I love art and everything, but I always, there's a part of me that's more pragmatic and practical. Or I just think like, you know, art's nice and pretty and shit, but it's, it's sort of useless, man. There's more important things. Yes. But like I always wanted to make art and stuff, but I could never justify it. And that was like the first essay, the first piece of literature that actually like made sense to me, justified to me. I cannot explain to you now why I did, because it's been 10 years. But anyways, <laughs> yes. so and also there was just a part like, I'm like, I'm not a deep philosopher or anything. I'm just pulling shit out of my ass. But uh, there's always a part of me. Uh, sorry, no, I always just wanted a tattoo. Like, I always wanted a tattoo. And it's been like, oh, uh, I'll get this, I'll do this. And I never really stuck to it. And you know what? I was like. 24, 26, I was like, you know what? I'm doing this. I'm getting it. It's been too fucking long. And you know what? I really like that essay. That means something to me. It really inspired me. I got a, a laurel wreath, uh, which is very familiar, and a thyrsus, which is like a pine cone staff. And they represent Apollo and um, Dionysus, respectively. And it was a dichotomy between, like, I don't know, just, uh, or like, I'm really big on order. So I really, I really gel <laughs> with Apollo and order and everything. But uh, uh, there's also like a part of me that's just like chaos and destruction or just like have, having a fucking good time. <laughs> Which is what Dionysus, that bad motherfucker, was all about. Just getting drunk and shit. And uh, you know, I'm not justifying getting drunk or anything like that. But you know what? I always had that dichotomy and like 
he really explained it like uh, like the dichotomy of humans. And so, you know, it, it justified me doing art pretty much, which I couldn't do to myself beforehand. So I got that on my chest and on uh, my shoulder, I got a bunch of eggs with eyes uh, cracking open and giving birth to a fetus. And that to me, <laughs> that to me was uh, always, uh, it's based on um, just the universe is like pretty much just dead matter, you know, as far as we know, whatever. And uh, all these like, uh, just dead, in inanimate objects that like, eventually gave birth to living things. And then it, human beings, which are like sentient and self-aware, yeah, like that was always like a friend said this one time. It was just a crazy thing. Like we we're just the universe looking on itself and realizing we we're alive. And that that's always like really blow my mind. Like we're just rocks that compiled into something living, and then like essentially knew it's exists it's like a finger on the hand saying hey i'm a finger and i can see the whole body but i'm not part of it but it actually still is but i can't see the hand for some fucking reason because i don't fingers don't eyes but anyway, <laughs> but anyway it's like that was always a that was always a cool thing to me and then from there i just went down the arm just went to the cycle of life and death and like even when we die our bodies are eaten by so i put a lot of carrion uh, animals like crows and uh, beetles on there and fungus uh things that like live even on the death of something else and you know the circle of life and <laughs> at the end it's a lyric sort of semi i altered a bit but a lyric from our first heel bashir song debris like born from debris once more shall be it's mm. like yeah we're just born from like garbage like star garbage and shit just like things that just collided and crushed together and life formed and and then like uh, when we die we're just gonna become sand and shit things are gonna eat our body we're just gonna become rocks again we're gonna become nothing nothing animate you know just be dust in the wind and, uh, <laughs> and then we're, yeah finally uh what does the future hold for jason man uh well i'm saving up money now so i'm the first time I'm making money it was dirt poor the first couple of years i was here i don't know i just want to push the band forward keep infernal rocking and just do as much for the music scene as i can but the band is always, you know, that's my big dream sort of thing. It drives you. But I can just, you can just tell. Yeah. You know, I want a tour. I want a tour of the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's in your blood. It's in, you know, it's just you're very passionate. You just tell that music is your thing and you want to be but on I'm stage. Not, I'm not good at it, but I want it. I want sweat, it bad enough. Sweat, <laughs> drink some beers, sweat it out and rock out. Fucking right. It's <laughs> the way it should be. At the end, I, I like to ask some just like like questions, like top th two or three, and you just tell me like, as of today, what are your top three? Blah 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 blah. Okay. You ready, Jason? All right. Let's do it. So we're you know music. Uh, tell me your top three uh, bands. Oh, as of today. All right. All time. Queen, Allison Chains, third one, man. Oof. Depends on my mood. Uh, I guess Pantera. I'm in a metal mood. Come on. <laughs> in terms of movies, what are your top three oh, favorite fuck. movies of all time? Blade Runner for sure. Right, I'll say Blade Runner one and two because I just I've been into that recently. Yeah. Third movie, Monty Python: Quest for the Old Girl. Just because you watched it recently, it's a fucking incredible movie. Okay. Other, yeah, let's go with the, the Blade Runners in that for now. I'm sure it, that's not terribly accurate, but <laughs> top three favorite beers. 
Oof. Well, acai is my top right now, man. Come on. Acai, man. It's a, it's just smooth, crispy taste. Acai will sponsor a band. <laughs> but uh, acai is great, man. It's a great middle gum beer. Uh, second, I don't know, maybe Molson Canadian, but that's basic oh, yeah. shit. That's not even... It's just a, just a beer I drink. No, just acai. That's the only beer. That's the only consistent beer that... Uh, oh, but big shout out to Witchcraft Brewery uh, and Stone. And also, I guess, McKellar, but they make some good beers. But Asai is just, that's the only beer I really, that's my go-to beer, Asai. All right. Uh, besides Shanghai, what are your three top favorite Chinese cities? <sighs> Beijing, yeah. for sure. Uh, you know, Qingdao is pretty rad. I don't think mm. we had enough time there, but it might be a bit too touristy. But I, nah. I, was, I had food poisoning that day, so I came late. Oh. I only saw a bit of it. Uh, I think it's, you know, I can't, I'm not sure what say it. Li Liang in Quenming. Uh, that was a beautiful city. Ooh. I brought my uh, family there when they came to visit. Mm. A little touristy, but it was a nice, nice, cute little, little city. I liked it. Um, I like Japanese, like sort of like teppanyaki stuff. Mm. That's just straight yes. up, straight up meat. Yes. Third, yeah, well, Italian. I like a little bit, a little carb heavy, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Italian food for sure. Absolutely. And finally, uh, who is your uh, greatest uh, inspiration slash hero? I was Kurt Cobain for many years, but growing older, I don't really agree with a lot of things he did or viewed. <laughs> uh, Freddie Mercury, man, he's a badass motherfucker. You know what? Freddie Mercury. Let's give it the big it up, big up, Freddie. What did you think? Oh, and maybe, just... maybe my dad. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he's there waiting, yeah. waiting. Come on, son. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so your your father and Freddie Mercury. Did yeah. you actually watch the Queen movie? Yeah. What do you think of that? It was a nice movie. He wasn't. You know, it's Hollywooded. <laughs> yes, very. Uh, Jason, have you been to Australia? And if not, when will you come to Australia? I have, Fans are asking for I you. I have not been, but I understand you guys also have a Toronto there, as we do in Canada. Yes. So I'm hitting that very, up. Very, very close to where first. I live, actually. You also have a Sydney, I believe. Yes. All right, well, we were, it, we were destined <laughs> to, so, to so unite. We say, so we say, uh, like, uh, Toronto, uh, with the Australian slang, we just say Rono. Oh, we say Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even say Toronto, but that's apparently how we say it. I say Toronto. Right. Australia's not too far from here. Come on. Coming on. Just Coming. Down, <laughs> bring your band down there and, and rock out. Fucking rock it. Get ready, get ready for that shit, Australia. Can you handle that? <laughs> <laughs> this is what this is what the uh, the podcast's all about. I want to get some bands from Shanghai to, to come down to Australia and play some shows in Sydney and uh, my hometown of Newcastle. We have a Newcastle too. It's right next to Brampton, actually. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, thank you for coming on to the podcast. You know, you're waving the flag for uh, original music in Shanghai. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep promoting it. Have a good time. Rock out. Let me know when you're playing so I can come watch you. And uh, yeah. February 20th, Lofas for all you Australians.
I'm Tony Fair, founder of Victorian Grooming Company. Is your beard feeling dry or the skin underneath itchy? Maybe you'd rather soften and tame your beard instead. Our classic collection of beard oils, balms, and soaps will leave your beard looking, feeling, and smelling amazing. And if you prefer shaving, our pre-shave oils and shave soaps will give you a smooth and razor burn free shave. Handmade in Edmonton with natural ingredients, visit victoriangrooming.com. Hi. I'm Nigel the Shanghai Psychic. I can tune into your loved ones in the spirit world, but I can also tune into you, tell you about your path and the choices that you need to make and need to know. 
I'm currently giving 30% discount on all Tell Craig Your Story listeners. Just use the code Tell Craig Your Story for 30% off your first psychic reading with me online at Nigel the Shanghai Psychic.